Hello, my everyday heroes. This is Bert. This is a very special interview that I did recently of Nay Grant, author and blogger of West Coast Flying Adventures. Nay is a world-class everything. Adventurer, pilot, writer, photographer, retired mergers and acquisitions guru, and an all-around pay-it-forward, big-brain, big-heart kind of guy. I've been following his flying adventures for the past five or six years. I just recently read his book, 50 Classic Destinations for Pilots, Epic Adventures, Romance, and Outdoor Fun in the Western USA. That led to me labeling him as one of my favorite everyday heroes for many reasons. But if you read his book, I'm sure you'll agree with me. In our interview, you'll hear his story, how he never set out to be a pilot. He learned how to fly out of necessity since he started a tech company in Silicon Valley, and he had to figure out a way to make the commute between his home in the foothills of Northern California to his company. So he figured the best way to do this was learn how to fly. In so doing, he learned to not only love flying, but the airplane became his ticket to ride and a magic carpet into the normally inaccessible, often overlooked, beautiful places throughout the West that most of us hear about or see on a map but never get to. These are some of the most far away and gone places that Ney has flown, climbed, hiked, and rafted that most of us never hear about. Yet many of them are within a few hours' drive from those of us who live in the San Francisco Bay Area or an hour's flight. After COVID hit, since the Navajo people always struggle with having an adequate water supply, he took on the project of schlepping a bunch of hand wash stations, and garbage cans into the western headquarters of the Navajo Reservation at Tuba City, Arizona. He and a flying buddy crammed this unbelievable amount of stuff, for a single-engine Cessna 210 anyway, into their airplanes, flew that stuff into the reservation, and once on the ground, unloaded and assembled the hand wash stations so the Navajo people could have access to them to help stem the flow of COVID. You're going to love his story, and if you're a pilot, or even if you're not, but you just love a beautiful coffee table kind of read that takes you to places that you'll never probably get to on your own. His book has some of the best never-before-seen trails, back roads kind of places, and fun destinations that you want to get your hands on. For example, if you want to fly into the Grand Canyon, camp at the bottom, and raft the Colorado, you'll hear in detail how to do this in his interview. And you can read his blog, order his book, and more at www.westcoastflyingadventures.com. So buckle up, heroes. This guy is the closest thing to a true Renaissance man you'll ever hear about. Hey, Everyday Heroes. I'm Bert Botta. Do you know what every man wants? If you can't come up immediately with the answer to that question, then pay close attention to my Everyday Heroes podcast series for golfs. That means guys over 50. And if you're not a guy over 50, or even if you're a gal, don't worry. There's going to be some very cool stuff here for both men and women. I've discovered answers to the kind of questions that every man has. And now I'm ready to help you put those answers to work in your life through these podcasts. If you take in what I have to share, it very well could change your life and help you do more than just push back the aging process. And my podcasts are mostly about aviation everyday heroes, but they're going to be a mix of women and men heroes just like you. So let's jump into this and see if what we talk about here helps bring out your own everyday hero. Hi, Nay. It's uh, great to have you here. And... I'm reaching out to people who I think are what I call everyday heroes. And I know you hate that connotation, but it's, it's the way I describe people who um, I respect for what they're doing. 
and it's it comes out of the interviews comes out of a a newsletter that I created for a group called Private Jet Pilots. I don't know if you belong to that group on Facebook or not. No. I did a newsletter for them. I was the editor for about a year or so. That's my genre, and I love uh, highlighting people and showcasing who they are, and for guys like you especially who uh, are doing kind of public service and at the same time, I love the way that you do your blogs and your pictures and everything else, and it really draws me in, and I'm sure it draws a lot of people in. Kind of give me an idea where you're at in your life, where you, where you came up with the idea for the blog and uh, the West Coast Flying Adventures and things like that. I just retired, um, so you know, have, have more time, but kind of interesting because I got into flying not as a passion. It wasn't you know, it wasn't a dream of mine. Uh, I had a tech company that I started in, in the foothills where I live. And I sold it to a company in San Jose and they wanted me to take a full-time position and move to San Jose. And I didn't want to do it. My wife's a veterinarian and uh, has her own practice. And so I said, tell you what, I'll learn to fly and I'll fly to work. And I did. And I, I learned to fly, and I flew a Cessna 182 for two years into San Jose International Airport. So you flew from the Sierras down to San yeah. Jose and commuted. I did. Class uh-huh. to San Jose. And it sounded, you know, it, when I, sometimes I don't tell the end of the story. I just tell that part because it sounds perfect, right, like an ideal. But the truth is I wasn't instrument rated at the time. And, you know, San Jose and the Bay Area. So I missed meetings. I would be sitting out in Lodi, <laughs> California, thinking, yeah. you know, oh, crap. I'm supposed to be in a meeting and <laughs> clouds are still there. And, um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't ideal. It was actually a really hard two years. But learning to fly was great because then I did develop a passion and it changed my life. Oh, that's cool. And then when did you, you start the blog? Um, it, it was a few years in. And, and I, I, as you probably know, I love photography. And I love being outside, and I've kind of combined that with flying. And um, I just decided, you know, that would be a place where I could I could uh, pursue my passion of flying, being outside, and doing adventures and photography. I started started the blog. And your followers, uh, I'm sure you have some dedicated followers as a result of this. I do. Yeah, it's nice. I've made made some friends, and you know, we've met up uh, a, a few times. It's not a ton of followers. I, I don't publicize the blog. I mean, every now and then it'll get picked up by, you know, something in the aviation industry or, or something else. Like I did a video once of, of, of putting kayaks on the wings uh-huh. of the plane. And I took it out on the runway and, you know, pretended like we were flying to Idaho with kayaks <laughs> on the wings. And and uh, that was that lived forever because it still pops up on the internet with people saying, you know, look at this idiot. You know, he's, yeah, he's got to take off. <laughs> he's about to take off with kayaks <laughs> on his wings. <laughs> That's great. So how long have you been flying? I, I sold that company in 1997 mm. and started with a 182. And then uh, I got into mergers and acquisitions uh, and around the West coast. And so I got a 210 in order to, uh, make that flying a little, a little easier. And I've, I've kept the 210 ever since. I bought that in the year 2000 and it's been a, been a great plane for me. Yeah. I flew the 210. I, 
um, I flew the Silver Eagle version of it. I'm sure you oh. know what the Silver Eagle. I I, yeah. just, I I hated the airplane because it was I, I couldn't keep the thing straight. You know, there was so much torque with that big you know turboprop hanging off yeah. the front, and I just couldn't get used to it. Besides, I just you know, and it wasn't anything like the two tens that I used to fly. I never quite understood that one because it seemed like if you if you have enough money to do a turbine, you you might as well go get one that was designed for it. Exactly. Exactly. I don't know why they did it, but uh, it wasn't my cup of tea. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, let me let me ask you why. What prompted you to start your blog and to do your photography? I just wanted to publish, um, a, have an outlet for for taking pictures. Because otherwise, I'd take the pictures and put them away and never never see them again. And so I thought, well, this this was a way that I can get it out there and. Um, some of the adventures I've done, I thought were unique by combining flying and adventuring. And then I ended up writing, writing a book and I wasn't sure when I wrote the book, in fact, even in the, in the, in the introduction to the book, I say, there's probably maybe 17 people that would actually find this useful because it's combines flying and outdoor activities. Um, you know, in, in some cases, you know, climbing and canyoneering and, yeah, and I thought you know there might not be a big audience for this, but there 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 has been. I've I've sold quite a few copies and got some 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 positive comments. Excellent. How do you think what you do inspires other other uh, pilots as well as adventurers, climbers, outdoors people? How do you think that inspires them? One is I've used the plane. On, on, on a lot of adventures that I think a lot of people probably haven't really thought about. And I thought a lot about it cause I, <laughs> I love doing them. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a fantastic adventure. If you're, if you're really into some hardcore hiking is you can go over the grand Canyon and spiral down through the restricted airspace legally by getting prior permission land at Soap Creek Canyon, the Cliff Dwellers Dirt Airstrip, camp right there. And then right there, there's a trail that goes down into the Slot Canyon. You can hike down to the Colorado River right from your plane. You can actually do that? I thought it was, so there is a restricted airspace and you can, and get a, get a permission, get permission to do that and then go down in there? Yeah, it's, uh, it's owned by an old Utah family, uh, Hatch. So you got to actually call Steve Hatch uh, and get permission to use because it's, um, I guess it's owned by the Hatch family, uh-huh. the river running family and the political family. And you get permission. And then right on the chart, it says that if you, if you are landing or taking off and remain within three nautical miles of the airstrip, you can tunnel down through that restricted airspace above the Grand Canyon. So Wow. Yeah, it's 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 fantastic, you know, to be able to to, to do that. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe and hopefully maybe with this podcast inspire people because I was thinking about it and I've done some service projects in the Navajo Nation, and I've done a and it's not through an organization like a flying organization like um, you know I've flown for Lighthawk and Flying Samaritans and um, Angel Flight and others. But in this case, I just put a lot of work into figuring out how to do it myself. 
you know, if I can inspire some people to do the same thing is, is really do the legwork. It's, it's really a, a great sense of accomplishment that I actually have gone out, flown out kind of on our own and, uh, and, and we're able to do some projects out there and, and do some good. And yeah. Good. I, I couldn't believe you got all those garbage bins into <laughs> the back of that two ten. I couldn't. <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of funny if you're an aviator because my friend, Mark Rudolph, has a P-210. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And, you know, I have a T-210. And the, the P model, of course, it's got the pressure vessel that, that cuts the, the back half in half. Right. You know, so so he, he brought two uh, of those hand wash stations with, with four garbage cans. Mm-hmm. That's all he could fit in there. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I was able to get four hand wash stations and eight garbage cans and the T210 pulled ahead. Well, tell me a little bit, how do you, how would you like to spread the word and what would you like to say regarding these kinds of projects to inspire other uh, aviators? I guess it's, it's doable. You got to put the time in. I mean, flying for, you know, Angel Flight and Lighthawk and Flying Samaritans, that's great. I mean, it's, those are a lot of fun too. And, and it can be very rewarding. But it's fairly easy. You sign up and they have a date and you sign up and you go. For the Navajo Nation, it was, you know, it started out, there were a group of us, there were all high school friends. We're all turning 50 10 years ago. And um, we, we were going to go do uh, deep sea fishing or something. And then we finally just decided, let's try to do something good. Let's go do a project somewhere. And so I, I did a bunch of research and was able to, to figure out that we could do um, something out at the Navajo Nation in, in Tuba City. Mark and I both have planes, so we all got in the planes and went out there. And that was um, at that time we did a we built a, a shade shelter for a senior a senior center out there. Did you have to check in with the Navajos prior to that and get permission and to ask them if what they needed? Yeah, we did. And I that time I did use an organization. It wasn't a flying organization, and it was really difficult because. For whatever reason, most flying, relief flying, and um, just general volunteer organizations are faith-based and, mm-hmm. and, and Christian. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that's, we're really interested in that. So I found this company, Amazad, that is secular and put together a custom program for us. <laughs> and what they did is they went to Pastor Paul Gee of the Tuba City Church of Christ mm-hmm. <laughs> and put together a program <laughs> for us. And we went out there, and, and Pastor Paul, hard drinking, smoking, cussing, <laughs> and he's like, "Hey, you know, shit, guys, if you want to help, come on in. You know, I don't, yeah, I yeah. don't care." Yeah. So he 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 figured out something for us to do, and then a few years later, with my family, I contacted him again, and and uh, he kept track of projects, and then there was a there was a family that had a hogan, the, the ceremonial hut. And they were going to have a wedding, and they were not really in good shape to to be able to to rehabilitate it. So, as a family, I went out there and with my family, and we um, tore it apart, uh, rehabilitated this Hogan. It was like it was a perfect project for a family. Wow, that is sweet. Yeah, yeah. you didn't even have to call yourself the Flying Pagans or anything, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and again, not, I, mean, I, I don't. It's, it's fantastic that that there are Christian, so many Christian organizations out there. But I don't know why there's not any like more secular organizations that do relief and volunteer 
flying charity stuff. Did you ever think about creating a situation or a group that uh, that would not be faith-based, but yet allow other people to serve? I did a little bit, but, but anyway, and then, so Paul Gee, the pastor, uh, he passed away, a Navajo, Eric Key, he was hired as the organizer to help us with our project when the first one we did. He took over for the pastor, and, and we have remained friends. And so with COVID-19, when I, you know, I read that they were having a, a, a huge problem out there, and one of the reasons is not having running water. And I thought about, you know, I wanted to help. And, you know, there were people like flying in hand sanitizer and face masks. And I didn't really think that was a good use of Avgas because UPS does deliver out there. Then I read about these hand wash stations that are really, it was designed for the homeless. It's Mm -hmm. uh, like an Oakland-based organization. But I thought, yeah, we could build these and and, and take some of them out there. So I, I contacted Eric and he said, yeah, you know, there's, there's definitely people on the deep res that don't have water and uh, that would be helpful and I'll, I'll help you. So yeah. uh, we all got together and got it done. That reminded me because um, I've done a lot of things and one of them was really one of my more enjoyable journeys was creating a men's motorcycle trip. Uh, I called it the sacred and the profane. Uh, the sacred was starting out in Taos, New Mexico, where I lived for four years and brought in guys from all over the country. And we take off across the West and head up into Canyon de Chez and descend into the Navajo reservation. And I knew, I knew a Navajo medicine man and that sacred part was going down into the Canyon. All of us parking the bikes, obviously up on, on the rim, uh, at the medicine man's house and down into the canyon and doing sweat ceremonies and prayers and stuff like that. And then coming out, the transformation that took place in grown men was amazing because they'd never seen, number one, they'd never seen a Navajo lifestyle. And they're never up up close and personal with Navajo people, you know, red-skinned people. And so it was very powerful. So we had a chance to debrief as we rode, uh, you know, and – as we started to share, it was amazing what these guys, you know, what they went through to see that and how it changed them. And, and the profane part was drinking beer and, you know, at night and riding motorcycles cross country. Yeah. One of my lasting memories from that first trip was in a sweat lodge, you know, pitch black, hot, incredibly hot. Yeah, of course. (laughs) And, um, you know, there's a drum beating and the medicine man is in there and sitting next to me is a, is a pasty white naked, Pastor, <laughs> Pastor Paul, uh-huh. you know, and then I remember they, they open up the, the leather door and you roll out on the sand and, and Pastor rolls out on the sand and says, this is better than any drug. That was one of the most sacred experiences I ever went to, I ever experienced. I was raised Catholic. There was something more sacred in that sweat lodge ceremony with the native, with the medicine man drumming and praying and, you know, just about ready to pass out because of the sweat and uh, the heat. And it was just, it was an incredible experience. I'd never forgotten it. And in fact, it reminds me, I, I, I took the medicine man. We had some great conversations, you know, um, with, with Pastor Paul over some whiskey and a campfire. And, and so I, I ended up taking uh, the, the medicine man up for a flight. After I got home, he sent me uh, a photo. It was, it was actually he and, and Eric Key I took flight 
and he has a photo of them in the back with these these wide-eyed looks and he says two scared navajos uh, on the uh, on the photo and then signed his name that's what's so great about flying is and my wife she says that if she knew i was a pilot she would have never gone out with me um she doesn't really like flying but we've discovered the southwest and we have been able to do some great trips out there mm-hmm. um, we've, we've got this plane so with in three or four days, we can get out there and explore and then get back for work. Yeah. Now, are you still doing uh, mergers and acquisitions or are you retired? I just retired. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Okay. So I I got a big deal done, actually. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So how's that going to change your lifestyle? Well, more trips. I, I'm writing another book. So I guess I'm not completely retired. The book I wrote was aviation related, you know, 50 classic adventures. Now I'm writing something called 50 classic adventures for the active family. So it's kind of like the aviation book. So it's pushing the envelope a little bit on, Mm -hmm. on, on what active families could do. So it's, it's, you know, hiking half dome or doing some canyoneering, doing some easy rock climbing, um, some classic mountain biking, but doing some trips that aren't your normal go to a tide pool or, you know, right. do a easy bike ride. It's, it's kind of out there a little bit. So for that book, I need to get out to some of the national parks and do some of the adventures that I want to include. Cause I've got about, I don't know, about 30 out of the 50 done. And so it's a great project for the, for the plane. I got, you know, I got to go oh, out yeah. to Rocky yeah. mountain national park and, and just get some photography done for, for my book. What a great way to combine your love of flying and service. Yeah, I, I hope it's service. I hope that, that some families take this book and, and it kind of opens their eyes on some adventures that they could do near the national parks that aren't just the normal, you know, take the short little hike. If there is a way that we can promote what you do uh, through this podcast, how would that, uh, how would that look? What would, uh, what would that look like? I don't know. It's interesting because I did talk to Eric Key uh, about service projects, and because I told, him, I said, you know, I can, I can promote this and get more people out here. He said the joke is that you know we get, we get school groups out here and we have them paint a school one color, and then the next summer we get another school group and have them paint the same school a different <laughs> color. So he said, you know, if if there are people that really have skills, like when you guys came out the first time, you built a shade shelter, you guys knew construction, you were able to to get that done. He said, that was great. You know, it did a lot of good. But he said, you know, having unskilled people show up, you know, there's there's really not a lot that we can that we can do except make something up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> paint the paint the school a different color. You know, are, are, you know, we were able to explore that with our kids. You know, not just show up and and yeah. And, away with a hammer, but try to understand how they live and, and, and why we might want to help them. And yeah, what a great uh, opportunity for the kids to see another side of life. Yeah, because you've been there. You know, my wife's a veterinarian. I was like, hey, maybe we could do a project to help the dogs. She's like, no. Well, I'm looking forward to the new book, man. And uh, yeah, looking forward to the first book and then uh, the printing of the next one. Uh, is there anything you want to put in this, like to advertise what you do? For aviators, uh, you know, people... I've said they love to spend a few hours going through my blog and looking at all the stuff that's that I've done. So that's uh, you know westcoastflyingadventures.com. 
yeah, if you want to know some places to, to, to fly and have some adventures, you can visit that, visit that blog. Perfect. Cause this is going to go out, you know, I've got a, I've got a pretty good aviation following and, um, this is much more adventurous than flying a triple seven or something like that. Well, that's pretty cool too, though. I mean, yeah, it's definitely yeah, different. Cool. Yeah. Okay. That sounds, yeah. sounds great. Great. And I keep up the good work and uh, love what you're doing and can't wait to see the book. Well, great. Thanks again. Thank you. Take care, bud. Okay. Bye. Bye. There you have it, heroes. If you want to know more about the special places that Nay has diligently researched and flown into and places that are often so far below the radar that you'll never hear about them on your own, you can order his book at www.westcoastflyingadventures.com. Now go out, fly safe, walk safe. But the paradox is, while you're staying safe, take some calculated chances. Now go out and make it a great day.